1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations
0: to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Did you just Google, Google?
1: I did. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. This is uh, glitchy. You asked me. I only found one oh, it's thing. Definitely it's definitely iPad. It's definitely glitchy, isn't it? Where did I find this? Now, how do I sign into this thing? Subscriptions, is it? You should be
0: signed in already. I
1: know. I hate these things. <laughs> Have you paid? <laughs> yeah. I paid them every bloody month. And now I can't find it on this. Oh, my God, it works. Right. Now... Guardy at Bandon are treating as murder the death of a 53-year-old housewife, Mrs. Nora Sheehan, of Ballyfahan, Ballyfahan. County of Cork City, who'd been missing from her home since Saturday week. Her body was discovered last Friday at Shipool Wood, about 15 miles from her home on the banks of the Bandon River. Guardy have not disclosed the results of a post-mortem examination, but have confirmed that she met her death by foul play. They've appealed to anybody living in the Ballyfahan area in or near Bandon and Kinsale, who may have seen anything suspicious during the time she was missing to contact, and then the old 023 number for the Mm -hmm. station.
0: I remember well. I I was at work, and and as part of my business, at the time I was driving a a minibus, and uh, I had the seats taken out of it at the back, you know, for carrying furniture and stuff. But I jumped into that and I headed for Cork. And I got to our house, and there was cars everywhere, and people, big, big, big amount of people all around the front of the house. And I went in onto the grass verge and parked there and, like, they opened like a sea. They seemed... These were people, faceless people to me. I hadn't a clue who they were. Some were neighbours, but others, no idea at all who they were. But it was a sea of people just opened. And I walked through, and the sheer devastation that I found when I went into the house. I I found my mother she was in the lounge and she was like rocking back and forth she was like keening that kind of keening crying i didn't know it then but my dad was after getting a doctor and he was after giving her some sedative whether it was a tablet or an injection or what i don't know but he had given her something but she was too hyped up to be put into bed but she was in bed later. I remember before I left, we got her to bed. But um, the shockwaves of other members of the family coming and the disbelief that this was, this was happening to our family. Um, Noel would have been arrested at this time. He would have been in custody as far as I knew. But uh, I remember my mother saying, uh, the shame, the shame, the shame. What are we going to do? How will we ever lift our heads? You know, it it was a a very shocking situation. It was very, very, very shocking. I remember going home that evening. I remember my dad stopping me and saying, don't drive down to to y'all tonight. Stay here. He was worried about me driving. But... I remember driving down and I remember crying and I remember thinking, this is some kind of a nightmare. You know, this, this isn't happening at all. This, this can't be, this can't be right. There has to be a mistake, you know. But it wasn't.
1: You're listening to Beast, the Murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast. This is episode three. After his arrest,
0: what was the sort of atmosphere like in the family? What kind of conversations were you having with your with your parents and with your siblings? Well, my mom would have defended him because she she never really saw him as being bad. There was always an excuse. She would always find an excuse. And she did try, fair dues now, she did take him to many, many special doctors, psychiatrists, and you name it, to try and get him on the right track, as we'll put it. But um, try as she might, it all failed, you know. So you you had that, end of it with my mother. You would have had a disagreement between my mother and father Because my dad, I think, would have known what he was capable of. My dad would have seen that violence in him. He had a thing against my father. He would not take correction. And my dad would be, would try to correct him. For us, as the siblings, it was different for me because I married and my name was now Watkins. So I wasn't connected to the Long family anymore. I think my brothers would have suffered more as a result of him being of the same surname. We wouldn't have advertised the fact that he was our brother because you're ashamed of, of things he's done. But, you know, at that time, it was nearly always to do with women with with sexual assaults, and I don't think any of us ever believed, you know, that would cross over into a murder case, which sadly it did.
1: The sixth of June, nineteen eighty one, was a Saturday. The weather that day was showery and a little too cool to make anyone think of summer. Number one in the Irish charts that weekend was. You drive me crazy by Shaken Stevens. Nora Sheehan was 54 years old and a mother of three children. She was living with her husband James in Ballyfeehan, a neighbourhood on the south side of Cork City. She showed up at the South Infirmary Hospital near her home sometime between 9 and 10 that night. She'd broken up a fight between two dogs and one of them had bitten her on the arm. Agnes Rice, the nurse who treated her that evening said she was wearing a blue coat and dress and a hat with a ribbon, which she kept taking off and putting back on in an agitated way. Sometime around midnight, she was discharged. That same evening, Noel Long went to visit his friend, Donald Boyle, at Boyle's house in Toker, a neighbourhood adjacent to Ballyfiehan. They were due to go diving together the following morning. Near the old head of Kinsale. At around 1130 p.m., Long was seen by his neighbours back at his own house in Bishopstown, a short distance away, and he was out walking his dog. Later that night, Joan Holland was a passenger in a car stopped at traffic lights near the South Infirmary Hospital when she saw Nora Sheehan, whom she knew, standing at the junction waving at cars. At around half one in the morning, John Murray was driving home from work when he saw Miss Sheehan standing at the junction of Vickers Road and the Toha Road in Cork City. He said she was waving at cars as they passed. He described her behaviour as eccentric. The last person to see Nora Sheehan that night was Brian Coleman, who was leaving his girlfriend's house at 4.05am when he saw a woman in a long overcoat on Vickers Road, waving at cars. No Long didn't show up for the dive with his friend Donald Boyle the following morning. Boyle waited at the Speckled Door Pub in Garrettstown until 2 pm, but there was no sign of Long. Two days later, on the 9th of June, Nora Sheehan was reported missing at Toker Garda station by her husband and her son. Garda John O'Sullivan was on duty in Inishannon Garda Station on June 12th. At about 3pm that afternoon, two forestry workers travelling by tractor called to the station. The men were distressed. They said they'd found something in the woods above the town, where they were working just a few yards from the River Bandon. And they thought it was a body. Garda O'Sullivan made his way to the scene he used a hurley to beat back the overgrown bushes and briars. Peering down the steep slope above the river, he could see where the grass had previously been flattened. He couldn't see a body from the road, but he could see a navy coat lying in a waist-high overgrowth near the riverbank. And when he got closer, he could see the swarm of bluebottles. Soon after, He was able to make out the bruised and battered body of a woman. The woman's navy dress had been violently pulled up over her head, leaving a large bruise on the side of her neck. What was left of a pair of nylon tights clung to her left foot. A single shoe lay discarded nearby. Dr. Robert Coakley, the state pathologist, arrived at the scene that evening at 8:35 p.m., and he returned the following day when Nora Sheehan's body was removed and brought to Cork University Hospital, where she was identified by her nephew, Eugene McCarthy. Dr. Timothy Creedon, a forensic scientist, happened to be on holiday in Inish Shannon on the day Nora's body was discovered. He was called up to the scene and he observed the gathering of evidence there. Two days later, on his return to Dublin, Dr Creedon was tasked with examining swabs taken from Nora Sheehan's body. He found semen on a vaginal swab and preserved this on a microscopic slide. I spoke to Maureen Smith and Sheila Willis, who both worked with Dr Creedon at Forensic Science Ireland in 1981, when the evidence gathered from Nora Sheehan's body. Was examined. In the case of Nora Sheehan, I was working in the forensic science lab. This is Maureen. And I received her clothing,
0: um, which was obviously not in a great state. It was laid out to dry. um, And once it had dried, I then collected um, whatever evidence was on its surface, um, both by uh, using what are called cellotape lifts, which is essentially what it sounds like a piece of cellotape. You use the sticky side to remove any debris that's on the surface of clothing, just like you'd use a lint roller to take fibres off your own clothes. Um, And then um, whatever is gathered on those sellotape lifts can be examined microscopically and compared to any uh, samples that might come in for, for comparison from, say, a suspect or a suspect's car. And generally speaking, what you're hoping to do is find materials that might give you some indication of where the body was or some indication of connection between the body and possible suspects that come in. Maureen had uh, recovered the material, as she mentioned there, and while she was doing the fibres, she noted quite a few paint fragments, which she then transferred over to me because I I did chemical analysis on the uh, paints. And in this case... And I can, I mean, it seems strange, but I can actually remember. Obviously, we had um, files and so on, but I remember it because there was quite a lot, uh, which is relatively unusual. Uh, there was quite a lot of both numbers of fragments
1: and types of um, paint, which when the suspect material came in, then we were able to compare one with the other. On the morning of June 16th, four days after Nora Sheen's body was discovered, Superintendent Matthew Thorne waved down no long as he drove his blue opal cadet along the Currahean Road in Bishopstown. Thorne sat into the passenger seat and asked Long to drive to the Bridewell Garda Station in Cork City. There Long was questioned, and his car was examined for evidence by Column Dardis from the ballistics section of the Garda Technical Bureau. He took 44 surface lifts from inside the car and boot. He said that the car was well kept and looked as though it was recently cleaned. Maureen Smith received that evidence two days later on June 18th. Nine black viscose fibres were taken from Nora Sheehan's Navy overcoat which matched black carpet fibres taken from the interior of Nolong's cadet. Four more of these fibres were found on Nora's dress 20 more on her tights and two on nail scrapings taken from her right hand All of these matched the fibres taken from the carpet inside the car Fragments of blue metallic paint on the sellotape lifts taken from Nora Sheehan's coat, dress and shoe matched that on the car Fragments of green paint on her tights matched green paint fragments recovered from the cadet. Finally, some fragments of red foam were found on the dress and tights, which matched items of red foam found in the cadet. Nearly three weeks later, on July 6th, no long voluntarily attended Union Square Garda Station in Cork City, where he was questioned by Detective Sergeant Gerry O'Carroll. During that questioning, Long admitted that Nora Sheehan had indeed been in his car. I did pick her up, he said. I did give her a lift. I'm sorry for her family. I'm sorry for my family. I didn't believe it was happening. That same day, he was charged with her murder. Now, you see, it's not brilliant, because I went to Nora Sheehan from June to December and the golf club notices come up. Death treated as murder. That's her. Monday the 15th of June. Then.
0: Yeah, that would be bail
1: for man on murder charge. Now, this has to be at 18th of July. Yeah, that would be. OK, let's open this and I can photograph this. There it is. No long. I'll Just photograph that. No Long, a married man with a family of Riverbank, Curraheen Estate, Bishopstown, County Cork, who's charged with the murder of Mrs. Nora Sheehan in County Cork between June 5th and 13th last, was admitted to bail by Mr. Justice Darcy in the High Court in Dublin.
0: That was right. That's
1: when he got bail.
0: That was right. Yeah. You see, it's, it's back there in the back of my head. Yeah. I had no memory of Cork, but definitely of Dublin. Mm.
1: And it says pending the disposal of his trial, despite an objection on behalf of the authorities on the grounds that he might be interfered with if allowed bail. Mr. Justice Darcy accepted Long's personal surety in the sum of 10,000 with two independent sureties in the sum of 7,500 each. I wonder, did your mother go the other? Each stating there was no such thing as protective custody. A person could not be kept in custody for his own protection. The judge made it a condition of the bail that Long must report each Tuesday and Friday until the disposal of his trial to the Bridewell Guard Station Cork and he approved of the two sureties.
0: That was massive money at the time. That was seven and a half each. That was 25 grand. He actually had no difficulty getting the money that was needed to bail him because my house was, was put up as collateral. I didn't even know that at the time. Maybe they were more afraid that he would abscond, you know, that, that he would take off. All those years ago, it would have been easier to, say, jump on a, on the Innisfallen or whatever boat it was that was sailing. You didn't need a passport then. You just got on the boat as a foot passenger and you got off at the other end in England. And once you're over there, you can go anywhere you like to Europe, you know. And so it was when Noel was arrested i mean was that the first time that you heard about the case at all
1: or did you read about it in the news before that or were you Oh yeah anything, it, was an,
0: it was on the papers yeah it was on the papers and uh, it would have been it would have been discussed but we wouldn't have discussed it as being a, a family that had a son that was suspect in this if it was some kind of an attack or a rape case or something like that. That would have piqued our interest because we would have known he was involved in sexual crime. Um, but definitely nothing like a murder. That, that was a different kettle of fish altogether. But, uh, no, the realization did come, you know, when, when the evidence was coming forward that without a shadow of a doubt, he was involved. That was it then. We knew then that he was
1: involved in some way, like, you know. No Long was released on bail on July 18th. In a shocking twist of fate, the state pathologist who had examined Nora Sheehan's body, Dr. Coakley, died just a few weeks later, on August 5th. And shortly after that, The Garda superintendent who had procured the warrant to search Long's home also tragically passed away. These unforeseeable events, coincidental as they were, had a huge impact on what happened next. At the time, the law stated that only the pathologist who had actually carried out the examination could present that evidence in court. It was the same with the investigating Gardaí. The particular person themselves had to be there for the case. Their notes and reports could not be used without them. And with both the pathologist and a key investigator suddenly and unexpectedly out of the picture, there wasn't much evidence left to present. This put the DPP in a difficult position. They and the guardie felt certain they had their man. But if the trial proceeded and No Long was, in the absence of so much vital evidence, found not guilty of the murder, he could never be tried for it again. In November 1981, the decision was made to drop all charges. No Long walked free. When he was let
0: off, I felt no relief. Whatsoever, I felt it should have seen its conclusion through. I didn't know it was going to take 42 years to have the conclusion happen. I would have been very, very concerned about my mum and dad. Like, we would have known at that time that it wasn't over. We would have known, like, that... that These two people, the detective had died and the pathologist had died, that Mr. Coakley. We knew that that he was arrested and implicated in the murder of this lady. So we knew that at some point or other this was going to raise its ugly head again. But being concerned, my mother, I think, would have been a big concern for all of us because she she would have taken this very, very hard. And there would have been an element of, of disbelief for her. And she needed us to say, that's not true at all, ma'am. Like, he's, we know he's a bad egg and all the rest of it, but sure, he's not capable of stuff like that. She wanted to hear things like that. And I suppose it's normal for any mother to want to go down that route and to feel somebody is not challenging her son's ability to be capable of of, of killing somebody. It caused a huge problem in in the family. It did cause a huge problem. It highlighted our family, and nobody wanted that. You know, as I said, I was fortunate that I had the name Watkins, that I wasn't directly linked with him at that stage and I wasn't living in Cork anymore. But my brothers weren't. They still had to go to work. They still were known to be brothers of this person. So they they have all had to live with that all down through the years. And, of course, his his two boys were now growing up too, you know, and so even going through school and as they were getting older, they, they were becoming, people were becoming used to the fact that's Nolong's kids, you know. So find it very hard to get away, you know, from that kind of a situation. What I can guarantee you was we did not have a happy household. We really didn't. Now, I would have talked to my dad i had my business that time in yor and my dad would come down and he would do some work with me particularly when i was busy i had a big contract at the time and we would talk about the situation and both he and i were of the one mind that yes noel was absolutely implicated in this and my dad would would have said to me how your mother is going to cope with this if if this rears its head again, you know. But the stress of what was happening was telling on my dad. I could see it. I could see it. He he was a very bubbly individual, and he loved his boat below in Kinsale, and he loved going into the hotel, the Trident Hotel, and he'd sit down, he had his captain's hat, you know, and he'd put that on the counter, and... He'd have his drinks. You know, he he knew a load of people around that had boats as well. And they'd all be talking about the various boaty talk. You know yourself, the way it goes. And um, he stopped all that. Because people began to realize who my father was related to. And my dad felt that. He felt that very hard. And bit by bit, he he became isolated, really. So that was, that was in 82, then we'll say, and by 89, I saw my father go downhill. I saw him go down, 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 down. And he died in March in 89. 62 years old. Amanda absolutely loved, loved life. Everybody adored him, the nicest person you could possibly meet. He'd take his shirt off, he's back and he'd give it to you. Very decent, loving person. I knew that, that it would eventually come to an end at some stage, but I remember at the time thinking, my God, it's, been, it's going to be on the long finger now. How long is this going to be in our lives? And uh, as it turns out, it was a long time. A long, long, long time.
1: You've been listening to Beast, The Murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast presented by me, Nicola Tallent, and produced by Ian Mullaney and Claude Amini. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.